Part 3. Directions. In this part, you will hear three talks or lectures. The talks or lectures will not be repeated. There are five questions for each talk or lecture. For each question, choose the right answer, A, B, C, or D. Then, on the answer sheet, find the number of the question and fill in the space that corresponds to the letter of the answer you have chosen. Questions 21 to 25. Listen to a presentation about summer job searching. First, you have some time to look at questions 21 to 25. Now, listen carefully and answer questions 21 to 25. Good morning, everyone. My name is Brian Alden. Today, we're going to talk about how to get a summer job if you're currently employed. The first thing you should do for your summer job search if you're currently employed is to decide what type of job you are going to get. Is it something where you are working at weekends or at nights? Are you going to look for just a part-time job or full-time? How many hours are you looking for? So you really have to assess whether to commit to a second job during the summer and then look at the different types of fields to work in. Is it something that you want that is totally different from your full-time job? Or is it something that's kind of associated with your full-time job? Or is it something where you take one of your hobbies and turn that into a part-time job? For example, let's say photography is your hobby. You might want to go try and get a job as a part-time photographer at a local newspaper, perhaps. The best way to find a summer job while employed is to try and look in your area. Look at the different types of companies in your area and look online to find out who is hiring and who is not. Secondly, a rule of thumb is to make sure that you're not looking for your second job while you're at your first job. Employers typically don't like that if you're looking for a new job while you're on their time. So, don't answer phone calls about a new job. Don't send your resume on company email. Don't schedule interviews on company time. And do all of this on your own time. A full-time job is the most important job for you. Don't jeopardise it by doing something stupid just to get a second part-time job. Now, let's look at the great ways to make yourself stand out to employers when you're going on your interviews. 1. Since you're already in the workforce, you can certainly highlight all of your experience and stress all the positives of your background. All the same rules apply about showing up, you know, for the interview early and looking great. But here you have an advantage because you've been in the workforce, so that you can stress the fact that you're always on time You have a proven track record of what you've done with your company and how hard a worker you are. The bottom line is to get your current company's references for your second position because they know you're looking for a second job. You can call your current company and talk to somebody about a reference for you and how you work. 
so you've got a great advantage if looking for a second job, while you already currently have a job in the marketplace. So, we've just given you some great tips and tricks on finding a summer job. Good luck! Questions 26 to 30. Listen to a talk about recycling carbon. First, you have some time to look at questions 26 to 30. Now, listen carefully and answer questions 26 to 30. Carbon forms the basis of all life on Earth. It's brought into the solid phase by plants through the process of photosynthesis. The availability of light and water, carbon dioxide and nutrients all affect how productive an ecosystem can be. These are called environmental factors. But photosynthesis is only part of the cycle of carbon. We also need to look at how carbon is returned to the atmosphere so the balance is maintained. The most significant route for this is through decomposition. Organic matter falls to the ground when it dies, and then biological, physical, and chemical processes take over, incorporating that organic matter into the soil. This loss of leaves, twigs, and sometimes whole trees is going on almost constantly in tropical forests. But in the seasonal broadleaf forests of the temperate latitudes, it's concentrated in the autumn leaf fall. Falling leaves become litter on the forest floor, and its nutrients are usually conserved through recycling. Ultimately, the organic matter becomes so decomposed that it is mineralized into carbon dioxide. And when that carbon dioxide leaves the soil, we call that soil respiration. So you could consider the soil to be a single entity within the carbon cycle. The carbon that started out in the atmosphere as carbon dioxide returns to the atmosphere from the soil, and this completes the cycle. But it's not an instant process. The carbon can be stored in litter for quite some time and even longer in the soil itself. The amount of carbon in an ecosystem is not only in the living biomass, but in the litter and the soil organic matter, too. And the amount is a balance between the rate of photosynthesis delivering carbon and the rate of decomposition liberating it again to the atmosphere. What determines this balance is the environmental factors such as temperature, availability of water, nutrient availability. If we take the example of a tropical rainforest which is warm and moist and nutrients are available, then litter is broken down very quickly and you can get a very small store. All the carbon is in the biomass. But if you take another example, such as the Arctic tundra, which is cold and wet, decomposition occurs much more slowly, and a lot of carbon is stored within the soil.
Questions 31 to 35. Listen to a lecture about poor comprehenders. First, you have some time to look at questions 31 to 35. Now, listen carefully and answer questions 31 to 35. Welcome back, everyone. In our last session, we talked about language and literacy. In this section, we will begin talking more about poor comprehenders. So, let's look at the overview of this term. The term, poor comprehender, is used to describe an individual who is able to read fluently and accurately so decoding aspects of reading are intact, but when being asked about what they've been reading, they find it very hard to reflect on that, and often you may get a don't-know response, so their level of understanding is weak compared to their decoding skills. On the surface, these children appear to, be, to read very fluently and accurately, so they may be in quite a strong position in terms of their reading skill. However, in a classroom situation, I personally think that it's quite difficult to work one-on-one -on -one to explore their understanding of the text, as it often requires some questioning to talk through different aspects of the text to really know their understanding of what the story's about. In terms of prevalence, about a quarter of children in the primary school age group may show a poor comprehender profile, so it's becoming more and more recognized. In fact, if you think about the demands of a primary school curriculum, many aspects require quite high-level comprehension skills to be able to process information effectively, so a poor comprehender might find it difficult not only in literacy but also in subjects such as history, geography, any subjects where they have to focus on key information, summarizing, predicting, and deeper-level understanding. Reading comprehension is, in fact, an incredibly complex skill that involves lots of different processes, so the research literature has uncovered a number of different areas where poor comprehenders have difficulties. And so, by definition, they have difficulties when they're understanding text. But then if we look at their wider skills, they may also have difficulties in oral language tasks like uh, vocabulary tasks, expression, narrative, inferencing, and beyond that, issues with other cognitive skills. So they may also have difficulties with things like memory skills and eliminating irrelevant information. It's also possible they have a ball and chain monitoring their own comprehension and actually knowing when their comprehension is broken down. So the ability to think and reflect on what they've learned and where they're at with a piece of text, they might find it very hard to do that. That is the end of part three. Now, 
You will have seven minutes to transfer your answers to an answer sheet.
That is the end of the listening test.